first 10 years has gone by so fast. We've accomplished um, pretty much the things that we set out to accomplish. But what do you do now? We're going to go after really planting churches. We're going to go after trying to reach more people than we could reach just having a bigger sanctuary. We're going to try to get more people involved in ministry than ever before. We're going to make the next 10 years, this decade, about spiritual growth. And that's what our hope is and that's what our desire is. kingdom of God is not about a church or a man. It is about a king and a kingdom. And how do we grow his kingdom is what this whole thing has been about. The things that I want to do here, I feel like the Lord is saying, I'm going to let you do them. You were obedient to me, and I'm going to give you back something that you've waited for a long time. I'm super duper excited. The vision that I have and the hope that I have. Our best days are in front of us, and I'm about to rip it like I never have done before as a pastor. Well, good morning, friends. How we doing? Oh, wow. You guys got your caffeine going already. That's great. My name's Jake. Uh, I get the pleasure to serve here on the team, and I, I want to welcome you. I want to welcome everyone joining us online as well. Our Parker campus is meeting uh, at the same time. Uh, Pastor John and Chris are away with, I believe, about 80 people from Jubilee to Israel, the Holy Land, and so we want to be praying that they experience something special there. Um, he actually had uh, recorded a video introduction for me, uh, and I, I watched it, and I just thought it was way over the, it was too over the top, but I thought I'd ask you guys, do you guys want to see it? Yes. All, right, all right, so pretend I've, I'm not up here, all right, and go ahead and roll it, guys. Hi church, my name is John Leach. I'm the lead pastor of you, Jubilee Fellowship Church in Lone Tree, Colorado. I'm away in Israel right now, but I haven't forgotten about you guys. This morning, we have someone on staff that I've asked to speak. He's a good friend of mine. I look up to him. He's inspiring, good looking. He's not an author of a book, but he could probably write a book Anyways, I'd like you to welcome this morning your friend, my friend, Pastor Jake Wood. I told you, it's too over the top. <laughs> Come on. We can't have fun in church, right? Church that plays together stays together, amen? <laughs> oh, Pastor John, uh, this last week, asked me to uh, wrap up our series here. It, we've been doing a series called Jubilee, if you didn't see the video. And what we've been doing is talking about some of the characteristics or some of the uh, flavors, the, the pillars uh, of what makes Jubilee. And, and uh, I'm pretty honored today to talk about what we're going to talk about, because if you've come to Jubilee, even for a short amount of time, you know that one of the things you witness here or that you partake of is grace, right? Yeah. And 
it's such an amazing topic, and yet it's, it's so broad, too. <laughs> a lot of times, we even have different definitions of what grace is, right? Check this out. Okay. On the count of three, you just shout out your definition of grace, okay? One, two, three. See, see, see what I'm talking about? Undeserved favor, love. <laughs> right? Like, it, it's, it's so broad, and, and, and yet it's so powerful. But here's the danger. And I was thinking about it this week, is sometimes as a church, we read about grace, we sing songs about grace, we talk about grace, and sometimes the danger is that it just becomes white noise. There, there's a mausoleum it's built in uh, Rene, Italy, and it was built 1,500 years ago by a Roman emperor. He built it for his sister. If you went there, the building is not special. It's in the shape of a cross, but what makes it really special is there's a mosaic on the ceiling that's huge. And if you saw pictures of it, literally your jaw would drop. Some famous and well-known historians will say that it is the most artistic mosaic that exists in the world today. Billions of pieces make up the, the starry sky, and at the center is Jesus as a shepherd. But if you went there after seeing pictures and walked in there, it'd be completely different. It's dark. It's damp in there. The only natural light is, comes in from the sides, and it's so crowded with people that it, you can't see anything. You walk in, you're like, this, okay, all right. <laughs> but if you were to stumble around the back wall, there's a little box. And if you found that box and you were able to drop a coin in this box, for 20 seconds, the mosaic would light up. And people literally gasp at this. And then poof, the lights go down. I feel like sometimes when we walk in as a church and we are ready to hear and talk and discuss about grace, it's like walking into that mausoleum and we go, okay, all right, this is it. But I hope that this morning we can drop a coin in and God would turn on the light. Because I know this, if you get this, it will change your life. It's changed my life. So I want to pray, and then we're going to dive into a story Jesus told, and it's a familiar one. It's one you've all heard, and hopefully God's going to really open our ears and our hearts to something special. Let's pray. God, this morning we don't want some fancy, pithy, you know, Facebook, Instagram quotes. We want you. And so we make space, we make room, we... we we turn on our ears, God, and open our hearts. In this room, God, there are all kinds of walks of life, and we all come in from different places, God, with different stories. But God, I pray that you would speak so much that it would change us, that we'd walk out of here a little rattled, a little changed. God, your love never changes, but God, may it change us this morning. In your name we pray. Everyone said? Amen. So I'm going to do what every good communicator will tell you never to do, <laughs> okay? I'm going to give you all my points right up front, okay, or at least a majority of them. So if you got your notes, pull them out. Here we go. First point, grace is a gift, okay? Repeat that after me. Grace is a yes. 
gift. A gift never valued is never used. A gift never valued is never used. And lastly, a gift never used can never be shared. A gift never used can never be shared. I remember 20 years ago, I first got married and uh, someone gave us a gift uh, for Christmas for me and it was a hydraulic car jack. Have you seen these before? They're like 200 pounds and I had no idea what it was. <laughs> like, I, 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 First of all, who gives a hydraulic car jack as a present to someone? I wanted to say, do you know me at all? Like, I do not work in a car at all. Like, I barely know how to run it in the inside, let alone under the hood. And so you know what happened to it? It sat in my garage for 20 years until I had a mechanic friend come over that was working on my car. I was like, oh, you got one? Lifted up the car in like five seconds. I was like, that's what it is. (laughs) Grace is a gift. If you don't know the value of something, you'll never use it. And if you never use it, you're never going to be able to share it. The book of Luke. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Luke. It's in the New Testament. Three books to the right. Love the rustling sound of Bible apps turning. (laughs) (laughs) Chapter 15, book of Luke. We're going to look at verse 11. You probably have a title in your Bible there, right? We all have that sometimes. What does the title say? The parable of the lost son or the prodigal son says something to, to that effect. Jesus is telling a story, and we, we know them as parables. And Jesus told a lot of stories to illustrate a point he was trying to make. In fact, we think a lot of times that uh, he, te- he just told, told this story just once, but Jewish historians uh, and, and uh, professionals will tell you that they actually, he's probably told it many, many times. In fact, many of these parables he's probably told a hundred times or so. That's how the, bi- the disciples were able to write it down so well and be so unified with that. Here's, what he te- here's how he starts this story. He says, there was a man who had two sons. How many sons? And the younger of them said to, the, to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. Now, if you're a Jewish crowd listening to this, you would have gasped at this point, okay? Because a younger son never inherits anything, right? Who inherits everything in the Jewish culture back in Jesus' day? It was the oldest son, all right? So the mere fact that the son is asking this, which is bold, okay, everyone would have been, you're kidding me. And it says this. And he, being the dad, divided his property between them. Then everyone's jaw would have dropped listening to this. Because not only does the son have the gall to actually ask, but the father actually does it. (laughs) Okay? Fathers, they would have thought he was insane. (laughs) Like, you smack your kid, put him in line, right? (laughs) He's crazy for even asking, but the dad here doesn't do that. And everyone's paying attention at this point. And he gives him, and he divides it up. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there, he squandered his property in reckless living. I think it was Las Vegas, but I'm not 100% sure. Could be. (laughs) And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country who sent him to his fields to feed what? Pigs. Pigs. 
And he was longing to be fed with the pods that, he, that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. So you have the son who takes everything he can from dad. He walks away. He's in a foreign country, right? Now he's lost his Jewishness too, right? He's with pigs. You don't, you're not with pigs if you're a Jewish follower, right? If you're a dedicated Jew, here he is. He's lost everything he's had. He's at rock bottom and even his, his heritage now, he's, he's shunned. But the story changes here. When he came to himself, how many of you ever come to yourself before? Yeah, hopefully. And he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. How did the father see him? He had been watching. He had been looking. He had been waiting. And he felt compassion. And I love this and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to his father, goes through the, the memorized lines here, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for the son of mine was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. And I believe the Greek word for that is parte. <laughs> so here you have this son who takes everything he can from dad, goes off, squanders it all, comes to himself and says, I, I could go work for my dad and, and live a better life and decides to go home. Dad sees him, runs out, embraces him and throws a party for him. When we talk about grace, a lot of time we wanna start the story with who? Who am I? What do I bring to the table, right? What is my story? But I don't think that's the right place to start when we talk about grace, and I think we're gonna learn that today. But I need some help. Can I get a volunteer to bravely come up here just for a little bit? <clears throat> Anyone? Come on up, come on up. Let's give him a hand as he comes up here. What's your name so everyone knows? What? Reza, right? I said it good, okay. Reza, are you an artist? Uh, not sure. Not sure, okay. <laughs> um, come on over here. I'm going to give you this. Can you do me a favor um, and uh, in the box, draw God? Okay. You only have 10 seconds, no pressure. As best as you can, okay? Okay. Now, I said draw God, not write God, but... Okay. Okay, come on over here, come on over here. I'm gonna. <laughs> okay, raise as best as you can over here. Draw, God. <laughs> it's, it's not a hard one. You just, whatever. <laughs> oh. Of course, I get the thinker on here, right? Give him a hand, give him a hand. 
So raise it, just to be clear, when you're sitting there worshiping God this morning, this is what you're thinking of? <laughs> Someone last night just drew a stick figure with a halo over it. <laughs> okay, that works here. When we approach God in our relationship with him, a lot of times we approach him in two different ways. And the first way is like the, the younger son, we approach him with our lives from God. You say, what, what do you mean by that? The younger son approached dad, right? And he said, what have you done for me lately? Come on, I need something. What, what can you give me? And before you say, oh, that's not me, I don't approach God that way, we do it all the time. We say, God, I, I, want, a, I want a healthy family. God, I, I want to be successful. I want a good paying job. God, I, I want uh, a good home life, right? I want uh, pleasure. I want to feel good, God. Can you, can you provide this for me? Can you give this to me? God, God, more, more, right? And so when we approach God, we come just like the younger son and we go, can I have, can I have, can I have? Now question, church, are these things bad things? No. They're good things. In fact, the scriptures tell us to ask for these things. Here's the problem, is when our sole way to interact and have a relationship with God is just from God, then we're missing out. All of these things are good. But if we come to the Father and replace the relationship with the Father with the Father's gifts, with the Father's blessings, then we're missing it. And some of us have, have, have lived in this. Some of us have, have asked for it. Some of us have experienced this. But look at this, and just think about this in your life and the people you know. Let's say family here. You take family, and have you ever seen a, a, a family that's been just focused on just that and taken God out of it? And it's become its idol, in a sense. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. We've all been that way. Are we approaching, we say, God, I, I want pleasure, right? How many of you have seen that in excess without God? And some of us, we, this is how we approach God. This is how we relate to God. God it's the cosmic, you know, uh, what do they call those in Vegas again? Slot machines, yes. God, what can, I, what can I get from you? And some of us, some of us, we've experienced this. And we've walked down that road so much that we've experienced the fullness of this. Because listen, church, all these things are good with God, but then when you have them just in and of themselves, there's an emptiness. Do you hear me? If you run down that road and, and, and seek just these without this and it's just from God, many of you have experienced the bankruptcy of the soul. Do you know what I'm talking about? And we know that so well. We've gotten to that place. Many of you have even experienced some of that. I was 11 years old when my father was killed in a car accident. And 
at that point in my life, I said, God, I want nothing to do with you. And I took him out of the equation, but I wanted to experience everything else I could. And so I took and I took. I want to feel good, God. And I found myself at 18 years old, living in a crack house, dropped out of school, breaking into two, three homes a day just to support my habit. Meth, LSD, you name it. I remember one night sitting in this house and a Pearl Jam song came on. It was called Nothing Man. I couldn't even cry. Nothing man, nothing man could have been something. Nothing man. And a lot of times I come to Cotted in that space just like he did and he goes, what, you don't even want me anymore. Why would you want me? Look at this. And I need you to know something. If this is how you relate, and we've all walked through this at some point. We've lived the younger life. Grace enters the scene and changes the narrative. And grace tells you this. It's finished. It's finished. It's paid for. When God looks at you, if you've, if you've asked Jesus in your heart, if you've experienced the life-giving life that comes from what Jesus did on the cross, God doesn't see your, your brokenness and everything you searched for. He sees Jesus Christ. And he goes, it's paid for. It's finished. Come home, son. Come home, son. Come home, daughter. You know the crazy thing? Think about this. Did the son ever change his mind in the story? Think about it. His relationship and how he postured himself towards God was, God, can I have, can I have? Father, what can I have from you? And then he came to himself and he goes home. Did he actually change his mind? No, he didn't. His posture, even at the very end, is, well, I'll just go and work for my dad. He'll give me a good job. I can at least have that can I have, can I have? He didn't change his mind in this whole process, but guess what? The dad was still there. The dad still embraced him, knowing he didn't change his attitude, and God does that with you. It doesn't matter. He says, it's finished. Just come home, son. Come home, son. You know the beauty of this story is that if the next morning the younger son woke up and said, Dad, I hate you, I want another portion of money and leaves, the dad would be sitting on the porch the very next day. And he'd do it again and again and again because Grace says it's, it's finished. Come home, come home. And I heard this phrase, and this really resonated with me this week. <clears throat> Jesus chose the cross. Think about that. Jesus chose the cross. He chose it for you. He loves you that much. He chose it, but, but get this, he actually chooses it for you too. Let me explain. Theory of relativity, you guys remember that in school? It tells us this, <laughs> that if I were to put you in a rocket ship and blast you into space and you were traveling at 160,000 miles per second, and I told you to come back in 10 years, when you got back, you would be, have aged 10 years older, all of us would have aged 20 years. Is that crazy? 
If I were to put you in the same rocket and shoot you up there and travel at 170,000 miles per second, by the time you came back and we were all 20 years older, you would have only aged one day. And church, get this. If you were to travel at 186,000 miles per second, which you can't. <laughs> 186,000 miles per second is the speed of light. And we know that at the speed of light, all mass expands into infinity. So don't anyone ever tell you that you're fat. Just say, I'm traveling faster than you, okay? <laughs> but if somehow you were able to travel at 186,000 miles per second, get this, get this. Time would be compressed into one and 20 years could be in front of you, and the now can be in front of you. Hear this. God is not limited by time or space. Jesus Christ, on the cross 2,000 years ago, dying for your sins, is at this very moment looking at you. And he chooses to go there because he loves you. And he would do it a billion times over, over and over. And he looks at you in this space and in this moment right now, and he says, come home, come home, come home. Are you getting this? But the story's not over, right? There's another son in the story, and it is the what? The older son. Verse 25 in Luke 15 tells us his story. It says, now the, his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. Why is the son in the, in the field? He's working, right? Remember that. And he called one of the servants and he asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he's received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, right? Who went out? The father. Son is stubborn. He's out there angry and sulking. Dad comes out and he answers this. He answers this, or the son tells the father this. Look, these many years I've served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who, who's devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him? And this is what the father says to him. He says, son, you're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this brother was dead and is alive, and he was lost, but now he is found. The second way we approach God in relationship many times is from God, but then it's also what I call for God. And we, we give into this symbol. <laughs> and we say, God, I'll serve you. God, God I'll, I'll, I'll give for you. God, I'll, I'll, I'll read my Bible, I'll, I'll pray, um, I'll evangelize. I'm not gonna spell that, okay? So you know what it means, right? Listen to what the, the, the son said, his response. Look, these many years I've served you, 
I never disobeyed you. God, Father, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to, I can do this. How many of you have grown up in church before? Yeah, a lot of us have experienced this. It's so easy for us to take on the older brother mentality, to approach God in this way. Question, are these things bad? No, these are great things. But God's saying this, if, if you replace the mission, if, I'm sorry, if you replace God for the mission, you're missing it. It's not about that. But it's so hard to do that. I feel, I feel like in, in church nowadays, we work so hard to raise younger sons into older sons. And we get so tired. Do you know what I'm talking about? Here's a good litmus test. If you're questioning and figuring, like, do I do, I do, this, so, do I do this at all? Here's the question. When you sin, in the middle of your sin, what do you think God thinks of you? Think about that. In the midst of your sin, right in the middle of it, what do you think the Father thinks of you in the middle of it? And if these thoughts start coming to the head, like, I think you'd be ashamed. I think you'd be like, sad, frustrated. Or maybe you think he's, he'd be like, man, you had so much potential. Come on, can we be honest here? If, if that's your thoughts, then you're living from an older brother mentality, a for God mentality, because this is what your father thinks of you. Even in the middle of your sin, he thinks, I love you. I love you. And there's nothing you can do that, that I'll love you less, but church, there's nothing you can do that I could love you more. I just love you. Phil Vischer, do you guys, do you guys know Phil Vischer? He was the guy who invented um, VeggieTales. Anyone know VeggieTales, yeah. right? You probably know the songs. It was major Christian corporation, right? Made millions, had incredible, you know, uh, fruit in reaching kids uh, for Jesus. And one day it just all spiraled down and, and Phil Vischer was the president and he wrote a book about this experience he had. And this, was a, this is taken from his book. Listen to this. He said this, the more I dove into scripture, the more I realized I had been deluded. I had grown up drinking a dangerous cocktail, a mix of the gospel, the Protestant work ethic, and the American dream. The savior I was following seemed in hindsight equal parts Jesus, Ben Franklin, and Henry Ford. My eternal value was rooted in what I could accomplish. Can anyone relate? Oh. For around four or five years ago, me and my wife moved from Pennsylvania. We were running a successful ministry. We took a youth a student ministry from like 30 kids to like 450 kids. We saw kids getting sick. It was incredible. We were raising up youth pastors. And then God called us to go start a church. And we said, okay, let's do it. And so we packed up our family and we invested everything we had. We moved to downtown Denver and we started Storyline Church. 
right in the middle of downtown. And it was incredible. Our, our first week, we saw 300 people. We had a guy get saved. He walked in. We met in a bar. That's what we, we used to nickname a church in a bar. Uh, come for the drinks, stay for the service. <laughs> and we had a guy the first week, he came in. He thought the bar was open. <laughs> came into the service, got saved that day, man. His name was Eight Ball. <laughs> We, we saw this kind of, we, it was incredible stuff that we saw. Fast forward two years later, we had to close the doors of the church. To this day, I can't give you the why. To this day, I don't understand. I, it was clear God called us to do this. Can I tell you a little bit of what my prayers were at those times? I left everything. I picked my family up. We, we sacrificed. Not only did we give money, I gave up my time. God, do you see what we've done here? We started, people were getting saved. They were coming to you. That's got to earn something, God, right? Like, I need a patch. Give me something. And sometimes, many times, we have this approach. God, come on, I, 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 I give to you, I, I, I wanna serve. God, I watched all the Left Behind movies, <laughs> even the Nick Cage one. <laughs> Do you know what God told me? One day I was, I was praying and I didn't get a clear answer. God didn't say, well, here's why. But he told me this one time. He said, Jake, you spent your entire life getting to know the ministry me, and now I'm getting to know, you're getting to know the real me. This is a hard one to come through, guys. Maybe that's why Jesus never actually finishes the story. Maybe that's why he never resolved. Like the younger son, we see some sort of resolution, but the older son, we're just left with this, this idea that he probably stayed the same. He probably did, kept going on with what he was doing. But when grace enters the story, the narrative changes, and grace says, it's enough. It's enough. What do you mean it's enough? The day you were born, the day you were created, that was enough. It's enough. What do you mean? I don't have to go on a thousand missions trips. I don't have to outgive you know, everyone in my... No, 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 no. Just because of who you are, Grace says, it's enough. Take a big, deep breath in. Come on, everyone, and exhale. Listen to these words. It's enough. It's enough. Some of you need to hear that this morning. It's enough. You don't have to strive and work because the reward is not in just the mission. The reward is something bigger. You know the most incredible thing about this story and these perspectives with God, from the younger son perspective to the older son, it's this. Both sons missed the point completely. And the father tells us it in the story. Listen to what the father says to the older son. He says, 
Son, you are always with me. You're always with me. You can have a relationship from me. You can have a relationship for me. But what God wants is a relationship with him. So maybe the best place to start when it comes to grace is not who am I. Maybe the best place to start is to ask the question, whose am I? Because both sons missed the boat completely. They thought it was all about what I could bring, what I could do, what I could get from dad, and they missed the whole point that it was all about him. And that's where it is with us. Let me drive this home, okay? I want to show you a movie clip from the famous Academy Award winning movie, Rocky. Any Rocky fans out there? Okay, I'm going to go ahead. Go ahead and roll this clip. I want you to watch this, okay? And you'll appreciate the 70s once again. Here we go. Everyone see that? The famous scene, Rocky's just running down the middle of the road. And apparently, there's no school or no parent supervision. Kids are just running down the inner city of Philadelphia. <laughs> All right, but as he's running here, he goes up to the famous steps at the Art Museum in, in Philadelphia. As he's going up, I want you to watch the kids that are all surrounding him and cheering him. There's a kid I want to see if you recognize, okay? Um, and I'll give you a hint, all right? He's actually wearing a green jacket, all right? So keep an eye out here. Oh yeah, Rocky. <laughs> all right. Anyone? Anyone? Do you recognize that person? Oh, okay, 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 okay. I'll, I'll, I'll slow it down for you and I'll even highlight it, okay? We'll zoom in on it. Go ahead, go ahead. Let's slow it down a little bit. The very end there, green jacket. Do you, I'll zoom in. Yeah, you see this kid right here. All right, does anyone recognize this kid? Anyone? No one? Me? No. <laughs> I was like two years old when this was made. <laughs> Anyone recognize him? Well, that's good, because I don't know who he is either. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> um, he's just some kid <laughs> from the movie Rocky. <laughs> Here's my point, okay. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you could see your faces when you're, everyone's like, is that Brad Pitt as a kid? What? Someone from first service was like, Jay Leno. I think it was Jay Leno. It's just some kid. <laughs> I don't know his name. Let's call him Steve for now, okay? If you were to meet Steve now, uh, I bet the conversation would probably go something like this. Hey, um, have you seen my movie? <laughs> right? If that was you, would you not say that, right? He, Steve probably has 50 copies of Rocky in his house, right? Just giving them away. Have you, check out my movie, man. Very end part there, the steps, you know. <laughs> like any new person he meets, hey, check it out, Rocky. It's my movie. Question, question, church. Is this Steve's movie? 
whose movie is this? It's Rocky's. Who's the main character in Rocky? Rocky. What is Steve? He's just a guy playing a part in the movie Rocky. Sometimes I think, church, we get so caught up in who for us that we make our story the main story. Are you with me? It's not our story. The greater story is his story, and we get to play a part in it. And when you talk about grace, when we put wheels on it, when we actually flesh this thing out, it always starts with asking the question, whose are you? Because when you understand whose you are, then later you'll discover who you are. It's finished. It's enough. Some of you just need to breathe this in this morning. Just take it in. It's not what you can do. It's not what you've done in the past. God just loves you. He just loves you. And he'd do it over and over and over again. I don't care how ashamed you are. Church, if Adolf Hitler on his deathbed would say, Jesus, I want you. Forgive me of all my sins. Everything evil and despicable that he ever did in that moment would have been put on Jesus Christ. And he'd see him and say, my son, come home. That's powerful. That's grace. And it's not something you learn. It's not a song we sing. It's something you put on every day and you live out. Because grace is a gift. If you don't know the value of a gift, you'll never use it, church. And if we never use it, we'll never share it. We spent 20 years as a church building this. But if it just becomes a slogan, if it just becomes a time when we sing a song about amazing grace, then we've missed the point. Do you know what I believe, church? I believe the next 20 years are going to be greater. And not because of us, not because of the church staff, because of you. Because grace lived out through you. The world will see and the lights will come on and they'll go, oh my word. This is beautiful. I want to be a part of this. Do you want to be a part of this? I hope so. I hope so. Let's pray. Father, oh, Jesus, we, we need you. We're so lost without you. We, we sing a song, God, like we did this morning, where all creatures pause and hold their breath in anticipation for just your voice. Oh, God, I pray we never put you in a box. The lengths that you went through for your people, I'll never fully understand right now. But yet you do it. And you still do it. Church, with every head bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask you something. And I'm not going to embarrass you or do anything crazy, but if you're here this morning and you go, man, 
I've lived the life of a younger son. I know that experience well. Can you pray for me? If that's you, just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me, yeah. A lot of us, yeah. If you're here today, you can put them down. If you're here today, you say, man, I struggle with being that older son. Man, I want to be free of that. I want to hear Jesus say, it's enough. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Yeah, lots of hands. Father, for every hand raised here, I pray that you would be real in this space. That it would be more than just a feeling, an emotion, but God, something in our heart would transform, God, and it would change our thinking. It would change how we react to other people. It would change how we work. It would change all of it. And and God, it's not about striving and it's not about what we get from you, God. We want to come back to the beginning where it all started with you. Light a fire in our hearts for you, God. You give good gifts, God, but we don't even want that. We just want you in this place right now. May this mark us. May this identify us as believers and as a church. Give us strength to walk this out so the lights would come on, God. In your name we pray. Everyone said amen. Would you stand with me? I know the temptation as we close here is to, is to exit, and I'm gonna invite you to do something here. We're gonna close with one song of worship, and I just wanna encourage you to just make your space holy where you're at. Do you know what holy means? It means set apart. I know you're sitting in a church. This is this could, just a random building if you think about it, but it's more than that right now in this place because God's here. And so as we close with this last worship song, Get with the dad. Get with the father. He wants to be with you this morning. He wants to just be present. Let him. Give him that space. Can we do that? Come on, let's worship.